You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com, and, of course, I will answer as many as I can. So we're in a very interesting time period, of course, the summer, people going away, people going on trips, uh, getting ready for school. Uh, school actually starts for me in a week. Meetings already start next week. Maybe I'll get away for a day or two still one last time. Did a lot of traveling this year, changed my normal summers, and it's been amazing. So relaxing to have a couple weeks off where you can do stuff you like to do and you enjoy doing. It's amazing. But that's not really what I meant that makes these weeks so special. We finished, um, after Tishbev, which was a couple weeks ago, we finished the, what we call the three-week period that's that time where we're mourning the loss of the temple. And then we have what's called the seven weeks of comforting. You know, it's the, the Haftorah that is read after each week's Torah portion um, is not as connected to the Torah portion as they usually are. It's more of these are seven different um, chapters that discuss comforting to the Jewish people. Talk about the Messiah coming, talk about other stuff coming. Okay with that piece of information. There is a legend told about the biblical zoo. The biblical zoo is a zoo in Jerusalem, and it's supposed to have all kinds of animals that you find in the Bible. Anyways, um, the biblical zoo wanted to display an exhibit portraying the Messianic times, which, of course, everybody knows that Jewish people repent, and they'll return to the land of Israel, and they'll live, live peacefully, and it also says over there, the lion will lie down with the lamb. Right? Everybody knows this, right? It's pretty famous. Anyways, so the person running the zoo felt this would be amazing if the centerpiece of this project could actually have a lion with a lamb. Okay. One fine day, a man walks in, goes to the local zoo with his wife and kids, and as he gets to the lion's cage, he's astonished. There's a lamb right there with the lion, peacefully, coexisting. How could it be? The man ran around. He had to find the zookeeper. He finally found um, an elderly man, and he told him, he says, my congratulations to you, sir. You have finally made everyone see that peace is at hand. This is a monumental achievement. I am blown away. But tell me. I mean, it's not the times of the Messiah yet, right? The Mashiach hasn't come yet, so what's the trick, right? No, it's great. It's, we want to show everybody that there's something called peace, and this is what peace looks like. It's amazing, but how'd you do it? The zookeeper told him, it's no problem. Every morning, I simply put another lamb in the lion's cage. Okay, I hope you got it. In any case... Right. In other words, you know, sometimes I guess there's I'm not sure there's really so many 
lessons to learn from the story, but I do think it's a great story. But certainly, right, you know, we know what we want. We know what we're heading for. And we also know that uh, sometimes the, the simplest way to figure out something is the simplest way. Right? You want to show a lion a lamb? Just keep putting new lambs in there. Okay, fine. I'm not really sure any of the lessons you'll get from that story, but it is an entertaining story, to say the least. Anyways, but before we go out, of course, don't be dedicated listeners. I know you guys love the show, and I do need your help. To help the the show spread, I need you to go to my homepage and hit that donate button. There's four levels. Um, Of course, any amount that you give would be great. Um, Your donations will help us continue the show to pay for the studio, pay for what we need, and pay to push the show out so more people can listen And, of course, you can leave your name, and I'll give you a shout-out in a future show. We can do a memory of, we can do happy birthday or an anniversary, whatever whatever works for you um, would be great. And, of course, in advance, I thank all of you. Okay. Very interesting verse. It talks about when we listen, if we listen um, to God, to his commands, what he wants to do, so there's a there's a, a long list of rewards, and we talked a lot about that in the last show. But one of them, very interesting, is that God says there will not be an ukar and akara in your animals. Okay, so it talks about that you won't be barren, your wives will have children, they'll be healthy, your animals will have children. Very beautiful. So the um very interesting, there Shimshon brings down. We know with all the patriarchs, matriarchs, they had major difficulties having children, right? Abraham and Sarah don't have children till he's 100 and she's 90. Um, Isaac and Rebecca, 20 years, the verse says. Some say it was really only 10 years. Or she's really too young to have children when, when she first got married, but then it was 10 years. We find Jacob and, and Rachel, same problem. So it is interesting, though, with Isaac and Rebecca. The rabbis say, you know why Rebecca couldn't have children right away? So no one would say it was for the blessing of Lot. And that's what happened. Um, when Rebecca leaves with Abraham's servant, Eliezer, so the family blesses Rebecca, right? You should be for a thousand to a thousand. You'll defeat your enemies by their gates, which is, by the way, a blessing that fathers give their daughters, Um before the daughter goes down to the chuppah, before she gets married, and that uh, when the parents sort of uh, hang out with their kids for a few minutes, that's the famous blessing that fathers give their daughters. Anyways, so, but it's it's interesting that blessing actually comes from Lot, from Rebecca's um, brother and and Rachel's father. Just to make sure you know the family over there. So Hashem says, I don't want anyone to think that Lot had some type of amazing power that he had the ability to bless. So um, so therefore, yeah, the wait. So here God says, Baruch Tiyah Mikolam. You'll be you'll be blessed from all the nations. Right? What do you mean you'll be blessed from all the nations? It, it it means that God's saying like this, I will not allow the blessings of the nations to affect you, 
And therefore, don't worry that the nations are going to pretend to be like Lot and they'll bless you and then you'll have problems because we don't want anyone to think that the, the blessing's not coming from God, the blessing's coming from outside. So therefore, God says, you're like above all the other nations, you are blessed and their blessings won't affect you and everything will be good. Which reminds me, by the way, it was, um, we went, um, just the, just I talked about in the, in the previous show, but we were in uh, Penn Caves. So on the safari on a bus. So lately I've just had allergies. It's, I guess somebody told me a lot of times August 15th is always that season. For me, it started, I think, a week or two before. But uh, every once in a while I sneeze. It's just my allergies. And um, so I sneezed on this bus. So the whole bus, I don't sneeze quietly. It's good they have a little uh, button over here. So the whole bus yells out, bless you. So my wife says, you know, you are really blessed on this trip because wherever we go, you have tons of people saying bless you. I said, thank you very much. Okay. So the verse, another verse in the Torah portion this week says, you'll know in your heart. The same way a man will punish his son, Hashem, your God, also warns you. So that means that Hashem punishes like a father. So what does that mean? So I have a story to explain it, but, but let's talk about ourselves first. What does it mean to be punished like a father? So it happens to be there's another place where we say it a lot, especially on Yom Kippur. It's called the Avinu Malkenu. And something similar we say on Rosh Hashanah, right after, each time after we blow shofar, we say, God, you're a father, you're a king. And there it actually explains it much more clearly. Right? Either you'll have mercy like a father has to a son, or if we're not on that level, at least a king to a servant. So it means like this. If you've ever gotten, and I have, um, let's say speeding tickets. So you go to court, and the court, um, you plea bargain, okay, well, we won't give you points. If we give you points, it's a $135 ticket. But if you want, we'll change it to uh, going 60 to 65 or blocking traffic. It'll cost you 165 so it's costing you more money, but at least there's no points. So as far as I know, nobody wants points, right? What do we want points for? That's bad for your insurance. So, um, so you would think that that's how they write it down in their system. It's not true. What happens is they write down everything. You were speeding. This is what you did. But the court did you a favor and gave you a ticket that was a little different. As they don't get rid of the old ticket. The old ticket is there. It's not gone. So if you come back and you try to tell the judge, Your Honor, I never sped before in my life. And the judge will say, what do you mean? I have right in front of me. That uh, two years ago, you were going this speed. And this year, you're doing this. And, th- and you try to tell the judge, hey, one second. That, that wasn't the ticket. The ticket was uh, blocking traffic or going through a red light, or whatever it was. So the judge says, look, we have records of what you did. We did you a favor to write down something else to say that you shouldn't have to pay the, the larger fine. But really, really, um, we know exactly what you did. So that's a king, right? When a king punishes somebody, even if the king has mercy, he doesn't wipe out 
doesn't wipe out the crime. He's just being nice and not punishing. A father, on the other hand, when a father punishes a child, or I'm sorry, when that punishes, when a father forgives his child, it's just the opposite. When a father forgives a child, it's all over. Okay, and don't tell me any stories. Well, my father, he reminds me in this. He's not acting like a father. Then he's acting like a king. But when we act like a father, a father completely forgets, which is amazing because it's not so easy all the time to completely forget the child did this and he misbehaved and he got in trouble, right? It's so easy for us to tell children, you know, this is the 43rd time I got called by your teacher already. And the son looks at the father and says, but I thought you said you forgave me. And the father wouldn't say, I forgave you, but you said you weren't going to do it again. When a father forgives, it's gone. It's a different kind of punishment. It's different. The father's purpose in punishing is not like a court that's punishing because somebody has to be punished. A father's punishing because he wants the kid to get better. I, I recently had this conversation with, um, with um, I think my son-in-law. We were talking about, what were we talking about? That... Um, I'm not remembering because there's noise in my headphones. But in any case, um, we're talking about remembering. We're talking about when a father punishes, it's not... Oh, there we go. When a father punishes, he doesn't remember. And that story has completely left my mind, so we're going to keep going. But in any case, if I remember, I'll tell you later. Anyways, here's the following story I did want to tell you. Um, the story takes place in Ramat el Khanan. And uh, Elimelech Biederman, Reb Elimelech Biederman is telling over the story, um, and he knows the story, he knows, he knows all the details. So the details seem to be coming from him. And the family needed money to make a wedding. So one of the married kids knew the family, the parents were under a lot of stress. They had a bunch of married kids. And um, they figured, you know, they've been working so hard, they're under so much pressure and getting everything done, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could send our parents away for three or four days? Um, you know, just, just to relax. Sometimes when, when people are going through a hard time, they, they just need to get away. However we're going to deal with the money, we'll deal with the money. However we're going to deal with the situation, we'll deal with the situation. But sometimes you just need to get away. So the family, the children convinced the parents to go away take a break, and rejuvenate. Anyways, after Shabbos, so one of the married children went to the parents' house, nobody's home yet, to uh, retrieve uh, something she needed. She walks in, and she sees that place has been completely ransacked. Vandals have broken in, and it seems they took everything. Checks for the wedding, that was stolen. And they knew they had to call the parents, right? You know, however they were planning on taking care of the wedding, um... The you know it's gonna the problems are just have become exaggerated exasperated whatever. Anyways, um, there were even some gold bars. Seems a bit when inheritance is taken away, jewelry, wedding supplies gone. Okay, so they called the parents and they said, you know, it looks like the house was broken into, and uh, you should come home. Let's see if we can figure out what's going on. And, and the parents, of course, are all shook up. They're in shock, right? That's, they're mostly getting to them. He pulls over to the side of the, side of the road. It's just a few weeks before the wedding. And um, anyways, they, um, 
Okay, so the parents get home. They look around. Father and mother walk in. Furniture is overturned. Svarim, the books are thrown all over the place. Papers are in disarray. The closet shelves were ransacked. And uh, they knew their father would deal with it. He was a strong person. They were concerned how their mother was going to deal with the situation. And it was fascinating what happened. So the mother all of a sudden stands up and she says, God, I know that you do everything. You're in control of the world. You do what you want. You knew that this was something that was necessary to take care of. And it's, it's only possible, Hashem, that the reason you're punishing us to allow the house to be ransacked and all the money and jewelry to be stolen is because you are merciful and you are kind. And she says like this. She says, in the merit that I'm handling this and I am completely accepting that you did it and you had a good reason to do it, she says, I need you to help my children. Two of my children are married, and they haven't had children yet. Give them children. Also, my son is divorced. Let him get remarried. All this Hashem you should do in the merit that I have complete trust that whatever is being done needs to be done. Okay, don't worry. The money was not recovered, right? So go stories, right? We all like happy endings, but the money and valuables were never recovered. However, the daughter got married a few weeks later, borrowed more money, whatever they had to do. The whole family was there to celebrate. But within the next year, all three of her requests were granted. She was blessed with two beautiful grandchildren, each of those children that had been married many years didn't have children. Her son, who was divorced, got married. It's the so I'm bringing down this story really to tell you that right we want to be punished, right? When Hashem punishes us, when God punishes us, He punishes us like a father punishes a child, right? In other words, there's a a, a purpose behind the punishment. Oh, now I remember what I want to tell you before. I was telling my son. My son had asked a question. It could be we talked about it in a couple a couple weeks ago in a different show. Um, why the spies that came back and slandered the land of Israel, why were they destroyed? Why were they killed? That's not the punishment for slander. The punishment for slander is is leprosy, is tzaras, right? The punishment is not to be killed. So why were those spies that came back killed? So the rabbi told my son, says, when God punishes, the purpose of God punishing, God punishes like a father, punishes a child. I punish you because I want you to get better. I want you to become a better person. I, I have faith in you. I know you can accomplish great things. And I, I don't want to see you waste those talents that I know you have. Whatever, whatever reason a, a parent is punishing the child, but the purpose of the punishment is so the child will improve. When God punishes a person, it's so that the person will improve. But if you have someone that is so far gone that there's no way this person is improving, 
then what's the point in punishing? Just destroy the person, kill the person. There's there's absolutely no value in in uh, in just giving the regular punishment. The regular punishment is meant for the person to repent. Is meant for the person to improve. If the person is way past that and it's not happening, so in that case, no point in just regular punishment. So, so too in our story over here, right? The woman understood she got it. The mother in the story, she got it. She understood that if God's punishing, it's for a reason. We deserve it. We have to improve ourselves. She obviously had the feeling she needed to improve on her trust in God. So so she did. So it, it served the punishment, completely served its purpose. When the punishment completely serves its purpose, that's the time to say, okay, God, I got it. Now I, I want to ask, ask for something back. It's, it's, not a, it's not because you punish me, therefore you have to give me something. That's what my kids try. Right? It's, it's I, I'm a new person, right? The punishment worked. Well, if the punishment served its purpose, so now I'm in a position that I want to ask you for something above and beyond. And that's what that lady did. And she, in that case, got that amazing, amazing reward. Now, um, there's so many things I wanted to talk about last week. Okay. So I, I saw this week, very fascinating. And I don't know how many we'll get through. We'll try. But as I, I told you in the last show, this Vahaya Ekev Tishmon, right? It will be when you will listen, right? And you'll keep the mitzvos. You get all kinds of blessings. And I told you the word Ekev is an unusual word because really it should say when. It shouldn't say the word Ekev. So the Arachayim has like five different explanations why the Torah chose this special word of Ekev. So I'm going to try to run through them. I think the one of them we talked about in the last show, but uh, let's see what we can get through. He says, one meaning of the word Ekev is from the word end, meaning look to the end, right? When the story is over, right, will God be proud of you, right? It will be in the end if you listened, right? right? Will you be proud? You did what you were supposed to do. Or uh, you've been a bad boy. And it's the wrong religion, right? Then, the Rechaim says, that's a language of joy. In other words, if you prepare yourself for the end, meaning it's like a, taking a final exam, right? If you prepared for the exam, then you'll be happy with the outcome. Right? If you didn't prepare for the test, of course not going to be happy for the outcome. You didn't study. What, what do you expect? If we live our life trying to serve God properly, so when I go in front of God, right, I'll be happy because I know I did what I was supposed to do. Whatever the best, to the best of my ability is, I did what I was supposed to do. That's one explanation. Here's the second one. He says... When you finish your work, now you can be happy. Now, this one's a little bit harder. In other words, it's still using the translation of end, via Ekev Tishmon, right? That when, and Vahaya means happy, you'll be happy when in the end you listened. Meaning, 
you finished. Now, this is really problematic, and I'm not exactly sure what the Rechaim wants, because it happens to be that when we finish a tractate, so we make what's called a we make what's called a seum, we say a special prayer, and in there we say that um, that we work and other people work. There's working in Torah study, there's working in business. And you can't compare working in business to working in Torah study. Why? Because in Torah study, I don't have to finish. I just have to do the best I could. And then I get rewarded. Well, if you're in business, if you're a salesman, you might have worked really, really hard on that sale. But if there's no sale, you're not getting paid. Right? We don't care how hard you tried what you wanted to accomplish. You got to accomplish to get paid. While in Torah study, you don't have to accomplish to get paid. Here, the Rechaim says, when you finish your work, you could be happy. But it's not true. So now that I'm thinking about it, I think that, I think that just really works like this. Finishing, when it comes to doing God's will, when it comes to doing His commands, when it comes to Torah study, finishing means you did to the best of your ability. That's called finishing. Right? Half-baked doesn't count. Right? You got, did you put in everything you had? Did you put in your ability? Did you give it all your, as we say, all your keiches, all your strength? Did you put in, whoa, did you put into everything exactly what you have the ability to accomplish? If you did, then you can be happy. If not, then you also didn't finish. So finishing, obviously, is going to have to have a different connotation when it comes to, to doing God's will, because, again, each person on his level. Okay, three. Um, I keep hearing stuff. Three is a sort of like a combination. You need to learn to serve God with joy. Right? In other words, it's not in the end you'll be happy. It's No, no, you'll be happy because you're serving God with joy. Okay, so we're not going to finish these because the music is playing. And, of course, I hope you enjoyed it short and sweet. Thank you, boys, for all wonderful sons. Listen, I can't do it without you. Thank you, wonderful production team. We have Al in the back. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Sweet Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRS Streamcast. Until next time, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build every room inside.